Daily Draft Report. Set your DDR to record now. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome. This is your Daily Draft Report, the daily dose of prospect information for the NFL Draft, brought to you by Campus to Canton. Tonight's prospect is a hometown boy for me, Kenneth Walker III from Michigan State, junior running back, 5'10", 210 pounds, and I am unbelievably excited to bring on my guest, Mr. Matt Waldman. Matt, how are you doing tonight, man? I'm doing great, Dwight. Thanks for having me. Oh, absolutely. Felix Sharp actually reached out. He's like, have you asked, have you asked Matt Waldman yet? And I'm like, no, I haven't. Like, I... You know, I've been trying to get some different people on here. I've been through about, I think I'm pretty close to 30 episodes in and I have about 70 left. So, uh, well, cool. So well, I've just tried to, nice to, try to talk to, sure. oh yeah, it's, it's fun. I've talked to a lot of different people. So quick on the recruiting profile for Kenneth Walker. He was a three-star running back, 2,164th ranked player in his class of 2019, originally committed to Wake Forest. He had just a few offers, um, looked fairly good his few, first couple years at Wake Forest, then he transferred to Michigan State, and the rest is history. I mean, in Michigan State this year, he ran for 1,646 yards, 18 touchdowns, did catch 13 balls. In the running for the Heisman up until the end of the season, he won the Doak Walker Award, the Walter Camp Player of the Year Award, and he led the nation in forced missed tackles with I've heard, I've I've seen 94 and I've seen 89. So one of those numbers, I, I who knows where they get these statistics from. So we're going to dive into the meat and potatoes though. Matt, what traits and attributes does Mr. Walker possess that you think is going to make him a successful NFL running back? Well, I mean, I think fit is ultimately the, the biggest determination about whether a, a running back is going to be successful, depending on how you define success in the NFL. But certainly he has the burst, the movement skills, and decision-making between the tackles of a future NFL starter. I mean, this is someone who has the vision of spot penetration. He reads stunts pretty well. He understands pursuit angles of defenders. And he has a refined athletic ability and technique to transform unenvi unenviable situations like you know, penetration into or blown blocks into productive plays. I call it loss mitigation. It's an underrated aspect of running the football in the NFL because there are a lot of guys with great athletic and movement skills who just don't see the field well, don't understand their blocking scheme, and don't and don't know how to use their footwork in an efficient manner. Um, there's tons of them who who come into the league and pretty much um leave or end up on the bench for the most of their career um so this is a guy that he's very good at loss mitigation he can generate big plays but he can limit those losses and that allows coaches to keep their playbook as expanded as possible they don't have to contract their playbook for second and long or third and long because the running back decided to try and forego an easy three to five yard gain um or even get a one to two yard gain on a, on a blown play and try and bounce it outside to get 20 or 30 and wind up losing like five or six yards, which happens a lot. So he's very good at that. Considering that he has a great track record of ball security. He's only, at least the last time I checked, he had only fumbled once in 380 touches. He's serviceable in passing down skills right now. He, he has things he can improve, but you know, this is a guy with three down potential. So, you know, from a skill standpoint, he understands how to integrate his physical um, attributes with the conceptual attributes of the game that you need to have. That's exactly, that's perfect. A perfect way to say it is the loss mitigation. I like that because I, I like how he, it isn't just the vision 
And it isn't just, you know, that he uses the patience. It's how he sets it up. I don't know how many times I've seen him go through. Like, like he's, he sees the blocks as they develop and he hits that sliver right, right at the perfect time. You know, and you see those things and there's a lot better than he was at Wake. I, I liked him a lot coming into Michigan State. And then just what he's done, he, he improved a ton on that. And he carries the ball nice and high and tight. Like he said, it's, I mean, he's a, he's a damn good player. I, I kind of gush when I talk about him a little bit because I really enjoyed watching him. And I actually got shades of, you know, just because I've watched Michigan State for so long, I got shades of Le'Veon Bell, the way he used to carry the ball and the way he ran when he had the ball with the patience and the way he set up blocks and things. So those are some of the things that I noticed as well. But the vision is what really sticks out. I mean, it's it's, it's amazing. And he uses pace and tempo to kind of set it up without even thinking. He He's very natural at it. Matt, so is there anything you see that makes you give it gives you hesitation to think he won't be successful like anything that you don't like about what he does well i like to look at things more in what is it that he needs to learn and develop as opposed right. to is he good or is he bad i think that's a little too uh, i would rather look at it in a more nuanced way and so he has every down back potential um the thing that i want to know is is he really listed at 210 because most programs lie about these guys they're usually they're usually tenths of a second faster than what uh, on the on paper than what they really are uh, or quicker or taller or way more and then when we get to see them sometimes the the weight differential can be as much as 15 pounds so if this is a guy who's closer to 205 pounds then now you're looking at more of an Aaron Jones type of track for him which is can he prove to a team that he can be the lead back and, and the primary guy that they want in the backfield, like Aaron Jones had to do. Because if you recall, you know, Aaron Jones was drafted after Jamal Williams. They were both, you know, third-day picks. And so as a result of that, you know, as good as Aaron Jones has been, he he still, you know, with that draft capital, you have to work your way into the lineup. And, and you have to dispel some doubts that that teams have their biases based on what they think about size. And they have to buy. They have to dispel that. So if he's in that range, that's going to be a concern. So I think the combine is going to be an important event for him to see that he's really somewhere between, really a minimum of two ten. I'd like to see him more at about two fifteen. Um, and if he can maintain speed and burst, and he's closer to two twenty, all the better. Um, in terms of, you know, really being a guarantor of an early round pick and an opportunity then to 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 be the heir apparent or the guy year one um but in order to do that that you know on the field he's gonna have to show that he can make adjustments after the snap and pass protection pre-snap he does pretty good but post-snap there are some things that in terms of delayed blitzes or um different types of stunts that he needs to do a better job of being able to um, basically ferret out and adjust to quick enough so that he's in position to execute in a technically sound manner. And I think his outside zone running can be a little bit better. It's nothing major, but he's going to have some adjustments to make in terms of being a little bit, you know, just being a little bit quicker with reading the leverage and determining whether it's going to be a cutback or a bounce or whether he's going to cram it inside. Um, but he's a very good inside zone runner. 
and outside zone shouldn't be a huge problem for him to you know pick up the nuances for the pro level against defenses that are going to be a little more complex and a little bit more athletic for him to to you know to to look at and make diagnoses because vision is you know people talk about vision and vision they see most fans think of vision as what does he see as opposed to how does he decide and how does he process information and the most important part about vision is processing information and that's where that really spells the difference between a great athlete who carries a football in college football um and you know like a guy like tevin coleman and someone who is actually a top running back like Le'Veon bell who may not have had the speed of Tevin Coleman, but had everything else way more than Coleman could ever dream of. Once again, yeah, those are the exact same things that I, I worry about the size. I, I it, he might not be two ten because you watch, you look at him and he does not look like there is much more than just muscle. You know, he's got pretty good sized legs and, you know, trunks and things like that, that, but they're not like gigantic. And it also shows on tape sometimes, like if he can't run over linebackers, I mean, he can bounce off of them. You know, if they don't tackle him perfectly, he'll bounce off and go. But he can't run them over. That's just not part of his game. I mean, you see, I saw it a couple of times, but most of the time it didn't go very well. So I do wonder what his weight will be. And the same thing with the picking up. He didn't, a lot of times he wouldn't even slow down blitzers. You know, like they would just, he would just kind of whiff at them. And and that's definitely something that will get him, will hurt him playing time-wise if, if he doesn't improve. So, and a lot of people say the pass catching, but you know, that's something he's just got to learn. You know, I, I, you did, there was a little bit of it at Michigan state, but they do not tend to feature their backs like that. So I think it's there when he did catch passes, it did look pretty natural. And when he gets out in the open field, he's so, so dangerous. So. Yeah, I would, I would, if I, if you don't mind, I would just add that um, most people I see in the public sphere really sphere really don't have a clue about receiving and running backs. They look at the right. box score and the frequency and they conclude wrongly about players like, Oh, Melvin Gordon, Leonard Fournette, Jonathan Taylor. Um, and they, those are guys that if you hunt and peck enough, you may not have a high sample size, but if you understand how, how receiving works in, in terms of the nuts and bolts of how to technically catch a ball, how to run certain routes, you know, what tracking should look like, what posi- body positioning should look like. Kenneth Walker does just fine. Yes. Like you said, right. he'll have some things to learn, but it's not, he doesn't have things to unlearn. And so it's, and it's easier to add good habits than it is to basically undo bad habits. Very true in many areas, Matt. Very true. Um, <laughs> all right, Matt, as far as the mock draft database, I, I always like using this just to kind of see where, other people are are seeing he him going and on some more recent ones that i've seen a lot of people have him going to the bills later in the first round uh, a couple of the dolphins patriots you know the, the ones that need quarter uh, running backs like potentially the tampa bay but is there any any of these teams or any other ones that you could see walker being a good fit on i mean i think this is a scheme diverse back so really um the only teams that i would be concerned about are are some outside zone teams and maybe teams that are heavy on gap plays that run a lot of toss and a lot of power. And even that he would be fine with. It's just that that's not going to be, you want to, you want a guy who can be creative behind the line and then get downhill. And with gap plays, it's more about, you know, 
Hulk smash and get down the get into the into the crease as fast as you can. So you know, in terms of in terms of where he could be, I think that the the Patriots like to run gap, so I think that's out. And they have they have a, a compelling back in Ramondre Stevenson. I think that the Bills like to run their fair share of gap as well and outside plays. Um, so I don't think Walker fits there either. Um, Walker could be decent in Tampa Bay from the standpoint that they run more duo and he is someone, he has a very good tight crease feel and duo blocking while it's simulates a lot of gap style, um, you know, concepts. It's one where you really need to be good at being able to feel out tight creases and create there. And he's very good with that. So I could see a, a team like Tampa being a decent fit for him. Um, you know, I think Atlanta wouldn't be a bad shot for him in, you know, second or third round as a possibility for him if they were to go that high for a running back. He might be available in round four if, you know, a guy like DeMarco Murray, who was a terrific back and one of the better ones in his class dropped to the Cowboys in round four and they had a first round grade on him. So, and you know, that often happens with this position. So I could see some teams where they run kind of a, a lot more to the inside and being able to, you know, get some, get some play out of them from that perspective. Um, another team that might be interesting, even though it may seem a little bit of a stretch is Arizona, just from the standpoint that, you know, Chase Edmonds, he's a guy I don't think they're going to feel like they can rely on week in, week out. Connor, you know, he's an older back who might get another deal, but he might be expensive for them on that standpoint. They might want to go a little bit younger. And Walker's the type of back who who could do well in some of the concepts that they have. Um, so, you know, there's a lot. There's a lot of teams, but those are, you know, those are some that I don't think will fit that mock draft database had said and some that and a couple alternatives that do. Right. Yeah. I don't think he's going first round. I mean, you never know, but I, I think he's, you know, second, maybe third round. Um, I'd be surprised if he made it till day three, but you know, like you never know. I mean, you just really honestly never know these days. So Matt, if, if you're on the clock right now in a rookie draft, where do you think without knowing landing spot in a super flex tight end premium draft, where do you think Walker should be targeted? Well, in drafts before, you know, in, in drafts before the NFL draft, um, I would certainly consider him, you know, if it's a super flex format, then um, this year, I think you can take more chances, you know, because I don't think the quarterback class is particularly strong. Um, but people are going to just reflexively take the strategy of going quarterback early. So you can probably trade down and get a guy like Walker at the end of the first round or in the early to mid second round. And I think based on what I'm seeing right now, he's probably, a, he's probably an early second round to mid second round pick. Um, and you'll probably be, see him fall there unless you, you know, unless you are drafting with some people who are just really in love with him due to some obvious tells, you know, they, they might wear a Spartans cap or, you know, they, you might be drafting in the state of Michigan, <laughs> something like that. Um, you know, and I certainly think he could be one of the best backs in this class. Um, I like him a lot. And right now I have him graded as one of my top three backs in this class. And I would say he's my top back, but I don't do the whole soap opera rankings thing. So I still have layers of information to go through before I would confirm that. But I know he's going to land 
in an, in an area where if someone said to me he's my top back, I go, well, I don't have a big argument with you. It's about free. Right. So, so yeah, but I think you might be able to get him at a bargain basically because people were going to be more excited about some other players in this class who, who might be, I don't, I don't think Walker isn't flashy, but they might, they might see something with other players that they think is a little flashier. And I don't go for the bright and shiny toy thing all that much. I'm, I'm more about substance and, you know, from what you see with technique and, and, and concepts. So, yeah. Yeah, I definitely appreciate that. So, yeah, I think he's probably a late first round guy. Um, but you're right. There are some people that, I mean, just have him as the as the RB one. And for me, it's it's Spill, it's Spiller, Hall, and Walker. You know, and I don't know. I kind of tinker with Hall and Spiller being a tier, and then Walker being just a shade below. But it, it's like you said, it's kind of fluid. The more I watch, the more I tinker sometimes. So, um, but I, I do like all three of those backs in this class. So there you go. Cool. All right, Matt, you tell everybody where they can find you on Twitter and what you're working on and what you got coming up. Sure. You can find me on Twitter at Matt Waldman and the rookie scouting portfolio is in its 17th year. Um, it, this is according to um, recruiting directors that I, I talk to is one of the most looked at and purchased guides by NFL scouts for cross-checking purposes. Um, you can find it at mattwaldman.com. Um, you can go to mattwaldmanrsp.com if you want to learn more about it. Um, you know, it, it has a very nice fantasy focus, but it is a football analysis of these guys. But I do write at Football Guys, um, and I've been a staff, senior staff writer there since the mid-2000s and have been in the fantasy industry since, uh, I guess, 2003 would be when I can. T- I would say that I started and didn't stop. I think I've been doing it earlier than that. But, uh, but uh, y- you know, you can find everything there. A percentage of the sales um, every year since 2011 has gone to Darkness to Light, which is an organization devoted to preventing sexual abuse of children um, through training programs of, you know, for universities, civic groups, individuals, schools, you name it, helping them to understand the dynamics that, that generate that lead to this abuse, as well as to how to work with children who've been abused and reported abuse so that you don't exacerbate the problem by unwittingly, um, you know, hurting the victim more. Um, so it's an unbelievable program, unbelievable charity. And, you know, up to $5,000 each year goes to them, um, you know, as from proceeds of the RSP, you can find it again at mattwaldman.com. Well, thank you, Matt. That is a, a very good cause. As somebody with four daughters, it's something that I get scared of, that I'm scared of constantly. You know, like I, I worry about my girls every second of every day. So um, it's a great cause, man. Um, you can find me on Twitter at FF People's Champ. Um, I work at Campus to Canton and Dynasty Nerds. You can find this podcast, Daily Draft RPRT. Thank you all very much for listening. We will talk to you tomorrow.